So my name is Katie and I'm a deacon here at Incarnation. And we are really pleased to have all of you with us this morning, this first morning of Christmas Tide. Um, I'm gonna do something a little bit different this morning. I'm actually gonna read somebody else's homily and I'm gonna explain why it is that I'm doing that. So last Sunday, Amy reminded us about how Jesus is coming as a baby, actually marked the fulfillment of God's promises to his people way back through Abraham and David and Isaiah, how God's coming as a baby marked the fulfillment of these long and ancient promises and how those promises are fulfilled in Jesus and are true in our lives through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes um, when I contemplate the wonder and the majesty of the incarnation, my own words just fall short. And I have found, especially this Advent, as I feel, as probably all of you feel, the presence of other people's suffering impinging on my own experience of Advent and Christmas, I've just so often found muted. I felt almost muted by the pain of people around me. And so I have found myself going back to Psalms and um, prayers in the Book of Common Prayer or just other writings that have anchored me because I found my own words have not been um, helpful actually in this season. Um, and so this morning, I'm going to read to you the homily of John Chrysostom, his homily on the nativity. I actually found this homily when I was in college. Somebody gave it to me and I was so moved by its beauty that every year since then, so you know, 20 plus years, I have been reading this um, homily of the nativity every advent um, and allowing it to speak to me afresh. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about John Chrysostom before I start. He um, he actually preached this. This is very fitting. He actually preached this homily his very first year um, as uh, ordained priest. And I'm not obviously a priest yet, but I am. This is my first year of ordination. So it feels really appropriate to be preaching something that somebody else preached in the year 386 when he was a new deacon or a new priest. Um, he, he preached this. He was actually a priest in Antioch, so what is now Turkey. Um, he later went on to become the Bishop of Constantinople, and um, the name um, Chrysostom actually means golden mouth, and he got that nickname because his homilies and his sermons were so beautiful and so moving that he would just pack the crowds in, um, and as a result, they gave him this nickname golden mouths, and we have about 600 of his homilies and about 200 of his letters, so we have actually quite a bit of his writings, and um, I thought this was when I was rereading some of his works in preparation for this, I was reminded that he had this strong um, emphasis in his ministry on social justice. And so in a lot of his homilies, he's actually railing against his fellow clergy and the political leaders of the time for their neglect of the poor among them. And when he became bishop, he actually took a good amount of the money that was allocated for his household. And instead of using it for his own um, aggrandizement, he actually gave it away out of his own um, pockets to build hospitals and to care for the media. And it was sort of this way of shaming the wealthy around him. Um, and so, yeah, he's just a remarkable person. And so I actually, I had Amy post, um, the transcript of the homily is in the chat, but also I gave you a link to some of his other homilies. If you find this morning moving, then I encourage you to go and read some of his other homilies. Um, because they're just, they're really remarkable and they're really convicting and um, maybe you'll enjoy them. And then finally, before I begin, I wanna say this. So there's this idea um, 
that when you, when we contemplate the mysteries of the faith, like the incarnation or the crucifixion, or we come to the Eucharist, there's this idea that when we remember things, we actually bring them and all their power into our present moment. And Chrysostom's homily is rooted in this idea that somehow we are present at the birth of Jesus, that as Christians, when we celebrate these things, the power of these events that occurred in the past is actually brought into our present moment. And so I think my prayer for you as you're listening to these ancient words written by someone centuries ago, that the power of the nativity would come and rest on us and among us, and that we would feel the weight of that event in our lives in a new way. So that's my prayer for us. So let me begin. Behold a new and wondrous mystery. The shepherd's rejoicing is sounding in my ears. It's not piping a soft tune, but they're singing a heavenly hymn. The angels are singing all around us. The archangels are dancing. The cherubim are hymning. The seraphim are glorifying. All are celebrating. Since they see God upon the earth, and man in heaven. He who was above now dwells below because of his love for humanity. And today, Bethlehem resembles heaven. In place of the stars, it receives angels hymning. In place of the sun, it contains the sun of righteousness. And do not ask how this is, for God wills it. And, God, and nature's order is overcome. For God willed it, he had the power, he came down, he saved, and everything yields in obedience to God. Today, who was is born, and he who is becomes what he was not. For being God, he became human, though he did not cease from ever being God. And he hasn't become human by separating from his divinity. No, he became God, nor again did he become God by advancing or being born from a human. But being the word, he became flesh through his nature. Because of impassibility, he remained unchanged. And the kings, the magis, came to worship the heavenly king of glory. And soldiers came to serve the commander of chief of power. And women came to see the one who was born from a woman in order that he might change their grief into joy. And the infants came to see the one who became an infant in order for, to furnish the praise from their mouths. And men came to see the one who was incarnated and healed the woes of slaves. And the shepherds, they came to see the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And the priest, they came to the one to see the they came to see the one who had become the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And slaves, they came to see the one who took the form of a slave in order to honor their slavery with freedom. And fishers, they came to see the one who made fishers of men. And tax collectors, they came to see the one who had appointed an, as an evangelist from among the tax collectors. And prostitutes, they came to see the one who offered their, his tears 
their tears for his feet and all sinners, all of us, we have come to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So a magi are accompanying and shepherds are praising. Tax collectors are speaking the good news. Prostitutes are bearing perfume. Samaritans are thirsting for the fountain of life. Since everyone else is rejoicing, I too want to rejoice. I want to dance. I desire to celebrate. But I dance not by striking a lyre or with flutes or by lighting torches, but in place of all these musical instruments, I am bearing the swaddling clothes of the Christ. For these are my hope, these are my life, and these are my salvation. And so I come bearing these, for I have received the power of speech by their power, so that I may say with the angels, glory to be the highest and with the shepherds, peace on earth and goodwill among men. So today, the one who was begotten from the father is born from a virgin. He was begotten from the father before time as the one who begot him knows. But today against nature, he was born from the virgin, from the grace of the Holy Spirit. His heavenly generation is true and his generation here on earth is true. As God, he is begotten from God but as a man, he is born from the virgin. In heaven, he is the only begotten of the only son. And on earth, he is the only begotten of the virgin. And I have learned to honor the mystery of his birth with silence. I have not undertaken to inquire unduly with words. For in the case of God, one ought to give attention to the nature of the deeds but to believe in the power of the one who brings them about. Consequently, let that which is in accordance with nature be investigated, but that which is beyond nature be honored with our silence. Not as something that's to be avoided, but as something inexpressible and worthy of being honored with silence. But beg, I beg your pardon, if you want me to end my, I would like to end my sermon with the introduction. For since I am lowly in respect to the inquiry of those who are greater, and I do not know how and where I should turn the rudder of my words, for what am I, what am I to say? Or what am I to speak? I see a woman giving birth. I see a child being born. And yet I do not comprehend the manner of his birth. For nature is overcome, the boundary of order is overcome where God wills it. For the deed did not occur in accordance with nature, but the miracle of his birth is beyond nature. For nature was nullified and the will of the master brought it to pass. And he is born from a virgin who is ignorant of the matter. For she did not help to bring about what occurred or contribute to that which was done but she was an instrument of his inexpressible power. She only knew what she learned from Gabriel when she asked, how will this happen to me since I do not know a man? And he said, do you wish to understand? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Just like when an artist finds great material, 
he fashions a beautiful vessel. In this way too, the Christ, when he found the body and soul of the Virgin Mary, he built a temple for himself. And after he entered into it, he came forth today. He didn't feel any shame about the ugliness of our nature because for him, it was no lowering to put on what he had made and let his handiwork be forever glorified. That which became the cloak of its own creator. For as in the first creation of flesh, man could not be made before the clay had come into his hand. For truly wondrous is the whole story of the nativity. For this day, in this moment, the ancient slavery is ended. The devil has been put to shame. Demons take to flight. The power of death over us is broken. Paradise is unlocked. The curse of sin is destroyed. Sin has been removed from each of us. Our error has been driven away. God's truth has been brought back. And the speech of kindliness is spread everywhere. A heavenly way of life has now been implanted in the earth. And angels have fellowship with humans. And humans speak confidently with the angels. And why is this? Because God has come to earth and man to heaven. Everything has become mixed up. He came to earth while being whole in heaven. And while he was whole in heaven, he was whole upon the earth. And being God, he became man, while he did not deny that he was still God. So neither could our corruptible body be glorified until it became the garment of its maker. What shall I say? How can I describe this birth to you? For the miracle of it strikes me senseless. The ancient of days has become a child he who sits on a lofty and high throne is placed in a manger. He who could not be touched, who is simple and without complexity, is turned about by our human hands. For he has decreed that shame will become honor and ill repute will put on glory and total humiliation will be the measure of his goodness. And so he enters into my body so that I might contain his word. And after receiving my flesh, he has given me his spirit, so that by giving and receiving, he might procure the treasure of my life. He receives my flesh in order to sanctify me, and he gives me my, his spirit in order to save me. Come then, let all of us hold a festival. Let us celebrate. Being the impossible word, he became flesh for the sake of dwelling among us. He became flesh. He did not become God, but he was God. And for this reason, he became flesh so that a manger should receive him whom heaven could not contain. And for this reason, he was placed in a manger so that he who nourishes all might receive nourishment from his mother. And for this reason, the father of the coming ages holds fast to the virgin arms as an infant at the breast so that he might become accessible to the Magi. For the Magi came to and made a beginning of withstanding tyranny, and the heavens give glory as the Lord is revealed by a star. But on account of the brevity of time, I will end my sermon here. And thus I shall end, having completed my sermon.
that the word being impassable became flesh, his nature remaining unchanged. What am I to say? Or what am I to speak? I see a craftsman and a manger and an infant in swaddling clothes. I see a virgin birth lacking all that is necessary, all things cleaving to beggary and all things full of poverty. Did you see wealth in poverty? How he being rich became poor for our sakes? How he had neither a couch nor a bed, but was cast upon a manger? O oh, poverty that has become the fountain of wealth. O oh, immeasurable wealth that bears the pretense of poverty. He lies in a manger and he shakes the world. He is entwined in swaddling clothes and yet he will tear the bonds of sin asunder. He hasn't even let out an articulate word and yet he has instructed the Magi and he has moved them to conversion. What am I to say or what am I to speak? Behold, the infant is entwined in swaddling clothes and lies in a manger. A Mary is present, a virgin and yet a mother. Joseph too was present, a father in name. Long ago, the devil deceived Eve. And for this reason, Gabriel shared the good news with Mary. But while Eve, while she was deceived, gave birth to a word that was the cause of all of our death. In contrast, after Mary was told the good news, she bore the word in flesh and he became the agent of our eternal life. The word of Eve led to a tree because with which Adam was driven from paradise. The word which a virgin brought forth led to the cross because of which the thief standing in the place of Adam was led into paradise. For since humans after forsaking him carved images in human form, which they served instead of their creator. For this reason today, the word of God being God appeared in human form so that he might break this falsehood and turn all of our adoration to him. And so today, let us give glory to Christ, the one who from pathless ways made a way for us, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and forever and unto eternity. Amen.